Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. room welcome to everyone who's listening on spotify i really appreciate it first off if you subscribe and leave me a five-star review really helps the podcast this month i decided to unlock a patreon episode for you all because honestly like it's good obviously for me to give you guys a bit of insight on what goes on over on patreon and i obviously always do at least one episode a month on spotify i love to do the spotify ones i loved the celebrity conspiracy one from last month this one's a little bit more niche but something that i do talk about a lot over on patreon is cults and i love to interview people when i can who have escaped them. I've spoken to people who have left uh, the Church of Scientology. Um, I've looked into so, so, so many cults at this point and I'm definitely going to do more. But this one is, you know, in the news as of late because there has been an amazing Netflix documentary, which I think a lot of you would have watched. Um, I've heard about from a lot of people who knew about this from the Netflix documentary. And it is Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey, which is about the FLDS, the Fundamentalist Latter-day Saints Church, located in Utah and run by Warren Jeffs and this episode is an interview with the 65th wife of Warren Jeffs called Brielle Decker. Brielle is so inspirational. I not only think that this will be a really interesting episode for everyone, but it's honestly so inspiring. Her story is not all doom and gloom, although she has been through so much hardship. She has been had just such a crazy, crazy life. Um, she has come out the other end and I won't spoil it for you, but there is just an amazing redemption arc in in this and I thought it was a really important episode to put out there for everyone to listen to so I'm going to leave you with it I'm not going to ramble on too much I obviously will let you know that if you want more episodes of Red Room if you want weekly episodes deep dives into cults into internet culture true crime we're coming up to spooky season and every October I mean I've only done one so far but it's very Red Room every October we do a whole 
month of like spooky shit like where I really just dedicate the content to be scary or freaky or have something to do with spooky season so that is coming up soon we've got loads and loads of episodes in the back catalogue when you sign up you obviously get access to every single piece of content that I've made that's live streams I think over I think around 55 episodes of the podcast as well which you know is kind of crazy to think of so it is really great value when you sign up and also just in case you didn't know so Patreon are running a test on my page and a few other creators where usually with Patreon you would get charged immediately when you sign up and then on the first of every month and it kind of made it a bit awkward for people when they wanted to sign up maybe on the 20th or the 25th because they're like okay I'm going to get charged twice in the one week kind of thing they're running a test on my page where now it's just like Netflix if you sign up on the 29th you won't get charged again until the 29th etc etc so if you sign up now you're not going to get charged again until the 7th of September or whatever date and it'll say that as you're signing up so you'll be able to double check what date the charge is so six euro a month it's patreon.com forward slash red room pod Hope you enjoy this conversation with Brielle and I hope we all get to watch her documentary which should be coming out very soon. I'll talk to you all very soon. Enjoy. So joining us here today on Red Room Podcast is someone that I'm extremely excited to talk about who has an amazing, amazing story. I've been watching loads of your interviews on YouTube today, Brielle, and I'm really excited excited to chat to you. Um, So welcome to the podcast, Brielle Decker. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing good. I, yeah, I have a lot always that I'm doing. So I I love to make time for these things also, though. It does help me, like, it's therapeutic to tell my story. So, yeah. I definitely, and, you know, telling these stories really is so important because, it just, you know, we're so used to seeing things like this on TV and documentaries. And I think it's really when you hear it from a first person perspective, it just brings it home and makes it you realize that this just happens to regular people, you know, who go on to hopefully live regular lives. But telling the story, I think, is just the best process of, as you said, like therapeutic and, you know, probably helping you digest it a little bit every time you talk about it. Right. Yeah, for sure. So let's start off um, just if someone is completely unaware of what Mormonism is, what the FDLS is, how would you explain it briefly to them if they had zero idea? Okay, so um, Mormonism was founded by Joseph Smith and they go by a different book. They go by the Book of Mormon, which is more of what they go by rather than um, the Bible. They don't read the Bible that often. it's been like 11 generations, 12 generations, depending on like, yeah, but since Joseph Smith was on this earth. Um, so it's been quite a long time since people have been following Mormonism. And then FLDS is a branch that was has the same foundational doctrines as Mormonism, but it's it's has the F there because that stands for fundamentalists. So they started their own branch. So basically the, so the Mormonism, um, well, they believe in following a man. They're, they've changed the Bible somewhat, some of the wording, and that's why they go by the Book of Mormon more. They believe that a man is like God to the people and that Jesus is our elder brother 
and we're all supposed to become like God. So that's the foundational. They still think they're Christians, but they they have a different kind of Christian Jesus that they're following. So that's the gist of Mormonism. And then the fundamentalists are because they changed the word of God in the uh, Book of Mormon and made it like their own branch. They, uh, Joseph Smith started polygamy like years ago. And that's where the branch like separated. That's why the FLDS was started is because the polygamy um, people so there came a time when the law in America was getting really strict on people that were trying to live polygamy. So one, the mainstream Mormons, they decided to do away with polygamy because it was just too much pressure. And the FLDS went into hiding. So a few people went into hiding and decided to live it. And then later on, it came back out in the open. And it's been like four generations since it came back out in the open. So I think that's a really important thing to note that like a really, you know, to use a, a, probably we should use a better word, but a fundamental part of the FLDS is the plural marriage. Like that is an essential part um, of what they believed in. And you grew up in the FLDS church. Yes, I grew up in the FLDS. Um, they There are other branches. There's like the Kingston's, the AUB. There, there's several other branches also. But the polygamy is most of the time the the first factor of why they split okay and so like then there's other differences that come later but um yeah it starts with polygamy okay so um as we said you grew up in this church what was the the history of your family within it Were, were your parents brought up in it or how far back does it go within your family in my family, doesn't go back as far as most people. So, like, there were some people in the church that had seven generations. That was, like, really ideal to be, like, more more respected mm-hmm. um, because you've been taught better. You have, like, no excuse. Like, you know, you, you know how to live the way they want you to without as many mistakes and flaws because you have parents and grandparents and everybody that's understood for so long um my parents my grandparents on my father's side left the church when I was 13 years old they didn't leave they got kicked out so like they're told they couldn't come back so that put a separation in my heritage on that side um it wasn't like a solid seven generations because my grandparents were kicked out. Yeah. Okay. And then on my mother's side, the family joined the church as converts when she was four years old. So that didn't have seven generations. <laughs> so like, yeah, I was one of the more rare where I wasn't related to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that must be, I mean, it, we laugh, but that's genuinely <laughs> the truth. Like if you can't laugh, like what do you do? But that is yeah. such a crazy thing that you were like fresh blood coming in, you know? Yeah. Um. So, you know, obviously huge open-ended question, but what was growing up in that like? Like, obviously, you know, it was your reality so you had nothing to compare it to and you know there's a lot of uh, documentaries and everything out now that people can really go watch if you want like a longer process of hearing what it was like but you know when you look back on it now does it just blow your mind that you grew up in that or is it still something that kind of seems 
you know, kind of close to you because it was your childhood at the end of the day. So like when I think back on my life before, it was so different than now. Like there was no stability, you know, anything could be ripped away at any time, given to somebody else. And we were just supposed to be okay with that all the time. It would be big things sometimes, houses, um, family members, like it was just doctors, you know, there was nothing you could count on ever. Um, So now that I know how it is to, like, I've been remarried now since I left about five years. So um, I can't imagine just having that torn away from me at this point. Like, and I'm so grateful, you know, it's, it would be more of like a natural process. Like if, if, if we ever got a disagreement, like we would have some say in that, you know, like we'd go back and forth and stuff where in there, it was the leader who said, you guys are no longer married mm. and don't call them, don't answer your phone. Like, you know, so that would be a whole different process. And I can't imagine going through that. Like yeah. now that I know and love my husband, I can't imagine ever just being okay with that. Like, yeah. you know, the, the yeah, level, that, the, the yeah. levels of control that the the leader had in your life as you said it dictated everything right like where you yeah. lived who you who you knew lived you with knew. yeah that's so crazy and like you know growing up as a child there must have been a lot of things that you learned and then had to unlearn as an adult i'd say well mostly the things i learned as a child lined up with what they wanted me to know mm-hmm. so like if i stayed in there i wouldn't have had to unlearn it but like, since I didn't stay in there, I've been out 10 years now. I, I did unlearn a lot of things. And, and just recently, just a side thing is um, there's a new revelation that came out from Warren Jeffs or for somebody that's way up there. Um, they say it's from Warren Jeffs, but I don't really know, you know, but anyway, it's all over the news in Utah talking about how he is giving everybody who has been gone for years a second chance at coming back. And, and I'm like, I would never do that. Like, that would be just horrible. Like, you know, like to even think about like, yeah, that my life out here is so much better. I don't think. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. But I'd, I'd say some people who are maybe haven't left that long could be in danger of going back because, you know, yeah. you, you see that with like, you know, women leaving abusive marriages and it, usually you, you kind of just go back to it. It's like Stockholm syndrome, right? You go back to what you know yeah. sometimes because the life outside, it, it's scary and you're alone to an extent. And some people go back because they just want to see their relatives that they haven't seen of for course. 10 years. You know, like, of course. But like, I, I just, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine anything but my life now, you know, yeah. now that I have stability, now that I, have say I can go to college if I want to I don't have to ask somebody I can go to the doctor if I wanted to I I can't get denied to go to the dentist you know like like I don't think yeah there's just no way yeah just simple things everyday things that you know we would take for granted to have being dictated by someone so when you were a child who was in charge at the moment was it Warren Jeff's father at the so Warren Jeff's father was the leader so like I was born with the leader before his father okay and it was only a year I was a year old when he passed away so like I don't remember him but like for six till I was 16 years old about 16 years was Warren's father and then 
well, it was actually 17, but like that first year was the other leader. Mm-hmm. So when I, it was like September of when I was 17 years old that Warren just became the leader and my birthday was in November. And then I married him in January. Oh my God. And we're so going to get on yeah. to that. That's yeah. so, I mean, even saying it gives me chills. We're going to get on to it, but I want to kind of rewind just a little bit first, because, you know, as your child, you're growing up in your teenage years. Um, and you're obviously, as you said, polygamy is a central part of your life. Um, did your, were you in a family with multiple mothers yourself? Did your father I, have multiple wives? So when my grandparents were kicked out of the church, then shortly after my father did get a second wife. Okay. Um, so I was about 13 years old. She never had any kids, which I don't know why, but she was always my favorite mother <laughs> when I was growing up. The second mother was the one that I got along with the most. Really? That's so interesting. And how many uh, siblings do you have, if you don't mind me asking? I have four, I have 13 siblings. I'm one of them. Wow. So there's 14 of us. 14 of you guys. And, and that's a, a small family. Yeah. In the so if my other mother would have had kids. You yeah, know, if she like, had 14 kids, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 28, like, you know, you're putting us yeah. Irish people to, to shame <laughs> with our big families. But so what, what is that dynamic like, you know, welcoming in a new mother? Like, is it kind of, as you said, like you got on with her really well. Is it nice to kind of have someone like almost must be kind of like having a big sister or is there tension in the family often? Like, can you feel the tension with maybe your, like the other wives at any point? Yeah. Well, some families are different. Like it depends on a lot of factors, like how the father is, how he interprets the leader. There's a lot of factors that go into it. But in my family, yes, there was tension between. And that's why I think I got along so well with my other mothers, because I I immediately wanted to, I was curious. I was like 13 years old. I just wanted to like, you know, be kind and and it made my mother jealous. So like then it just made the gap between us more broad Mm. because I couldn't go back after that like you know she 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 never yeah we didn't get along very good my mother and I but she wouldn't say that yeah but and because she passive aggressive yeah Yeah, oh really (laughs) yeah she would tell you to your face she loves you so much but then yeah it's just not that way because you know when everyone is brought up in that environment the toll it must have on you mentally you know it's you're when you're looking at people who grow up in those kind of like i mean cold environments where you're not let speak to some people your whole life is controlled your marriage is controlled like was your was your mother in a arranged marriage to your father yes my mother and father were in arranged marriage so i'm a product of an arranged marriage so how, how was marriage spoken to you as like a young girl? You know, were you always aware that it was going to be arranged by God yeah. or by you? So it was always told you that way, right? Yeah, it was always from the time I was tiny. We went to trainings about like all kinds of things, obedience, submission, like anything that would make polygamy work. And a lot of it was submission. Like the father has to make all the decisions because there's too many ladies. And which one are you going to choose, you know? So all the, it's just set up like a pyramid. Like the whole thing is a pyramid. The leaders at the top, like the fathers, then the mothers, then the kids. So like, yeah, it's a whole different thing. But like, I I think like growing up in it, you do like there's two sides to polygamy. One side is 
captive by the system, which is basically the whole idea of Stockholm syndrome. You get captive into like, this is all I know. This is like they train that in the FLDS, they actually teach that their converts, their main converts are the children, like trapping in the children. There's more internet connections in the, a child's brain than on the, like, there's no more connections than on the internet in a child's brain. They're just trying to figure out, like I've been to trainings that talk about it. Um, foster care training in America will talk about it. Like they have a lot of experience with the brain and stuff. They talk about how um, the child is just looking for what, what is important. Mm-hmm. And eventually the ones that they use all the time grow stronger and the other ones will fall off if they don't use them. Um, by the time you're older, you have like really strong brain cells in a certain direction. So that's how they trap in their kids. Like it's like a handicapped child at that point. People don't always understand brainwashing, but I think this is the easiest way to explain it as an activist, like I am now, um, is to explain like, it's like a handicapped child. Once you've gotten to be 18 years old with these certain brain cells that are really, really way stronger than the other ones, you have to really create new brain cells to do something different. Like untrain your brain because you're, you've been, yeah you've been told a certain way to think and behave. Like you're saying you went through trainings on how to act in your day-to-day life with, and is that with everything, like with your parents, in relationships, with other kids? Yeah, everything is controlled. Like they teach you from a young age, you go to training every single morning at six o'clock in the morning with your father. And there, a lot of times it's just like recorded trainings of the leader. Okay. So like, and, and then when we get into school age, they, you go to school at eight o'clock in the morning and have another training. The history lesson in the middle of the day at noon is church only. You never hear world history. You never hear about presidents or anything but church history, church history. So like it was homeschool. So all of the whole school was FLDS members. Warren Justice, the principal, when I went to the school that I went to, he was the principal. So um, yeah, the whole thing is, a pyramid like you're just raised in these trainings teaching you how to respect your mothers and how to treat your fathers and what to call them my father had to be called father my mother had to be called mother I couldn't call them mom or dad that was disrespectful like there was just everything was controlled like yeah, everything but- had an interpretation on how to very formal, like having to call mother and father, but like it's, it's again that hierarchy, as you're saying, like the pyramid of it, like they're above you, they're making the decisions for you, and you have to respect them, I guess, is the idea. And they have to go by what the leader would have them do. So and then are, the leader's supposed to be like in tune with God. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, did you like at all fear marriage in any way, like that, or was it like just? and accepted as you said one of those brain cells that was just in your mind that you were like okay marriages are just decided by the leader well there were some unknowns i didn't mm. understand what marriage really was of course because like the sex training and stuff isn't really there so like you you're taught like you're supposed to respect them trust them you know there will be a punishment if you if you don't follow the instructions you're given but like they don't really go into like how it really is mm-hmm so like they, yeah, it's a, they, they only teach what they want you to hear. Yeah. They don't really teach the broad perspective of choose and options. And, you know, it's like, this is how it is. God revealed this is the way it is. Don't listen to the news. We didn't have TVs when I was like nine years old that got like taken out of our house. 
you couldn't listen to anybody but the leader's instructions. And, and that made it so everything that you heard was only what he wanted you to hear. So he, he could say our children are God's children. So like where our brains, they mature faster than anybody else's brains in the world, but they don't say normally you don't, your brain doesn't develop fully develop until you're like 23 or whatever, 25. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the number, but like they don't teach you what everything they only teach you what they want you to hear. Mm-hmm. So like you have to kind of go with your gut feeling a lot. Like when they tell you things and you're like, why did they say that anyway? There's more to it. You can tell there's more to it, but you don't really yeah. like it, even in my darkest moments. I could feel when things were really off trail. You knew it was wrong deep down, but I didn't deep- understand why, like all the information I had been given didn't add up. Yeah. I knew it didn't add up, but I also didn't know why. Like, yeah, it just, I, I also knew I needed to be careful. Yeah. Like I was actually the first one of Warren Jeff's wives to stand up, I believe, against him and fight him. And and because of that, I was probably the most abused. Because I can't say I was the most abused because some of them actually died from different things. But like in my experience, I was tortured. I survived it mm-hmm. by, you know, miracles and the grace of God, the real God. But <laughs> But it wasn't, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't because of, yeah, I just was, I, I, I just would fight him, not like boldly, but like subtly. And he still would catch on to it. So like, he would be so mad at me. And, and the only reason why I survived just because I did it subtly. So your marriage to Warren Jeffs, you were his 65th wife. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I was the 65th. And what year was it that you married him? It was, I always get my dates off, but I was 18 and I'm 36 right now. So like it was 2000 and it was like four. 2004. Yeah. yeah. 2004. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I escaped in 2012. So I think okay. it was 2000. Yeah. So 2004, you're 18. What is the process of, like, how were you told? What did your parents tell you that he is requesting you to be his wife? Like, what is that process? How does it happen? So in my story, I spent, like, I, I wanted to go to high school in, in any school I could, but they only allowed us to go to homeschool. So I ended up um, sitting with all the high schoolers. I was in 11th grade because I had already gone to 10th grade in their homeschool. Mm-hmm. Well, they pulled my father aside after and said, there's no 11th grade in our schools. So you you need to put her as a teacher or an assistant. So like to help in a school, like we don't even go that high. So we're not going to take her as a high school student again. Um, I felt bad about that because I really, I really wanted, I love school and I, Mm. but anyway, so I went into schooling. I went into teaching. I wasn't like the main teacher, but like, I corrected the homework and kept up with it really well. I had help with my little sister. This was January. So my birthday was in November. January came. So I had a party. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One of the quarters, the end of the quarter, and I had a party that day. So I spent the whole day with the kids and having pizza and all kinds of stuff. And then I came home and I found out I was on after I cleaned up, after everybody left and I come home and I... I was really tired and I had to make dinner and mother had decided what I was going to make and it was going to be stew and that takes a while. So I was in the kitchen cutting up vegetables and I heard my mother behind me and she screamed and she said, no, like really loud. And I turned around and my father was standing in the doorway and his face was all red. And, and she said, and he turned to me and he said, let's go on a drive. So my mother wasn't invited to the wedding at all like yeah she she this was the wedding oh my god it was like straight in the wedding yeah I didn't even have time to grab my wedding dress because he just said let's go on a drive so like my mother could recognize more than I could because I was her 11th child so she understood that look on his face Mm -hmm. and she just yeah, she kind of lost it for a minute there. She's like, no, like, anyway. So I turned around. I, my father said, let's go on a drive. I walked straight out the door with him. We were escort. We went up to a house and then escorted from there to where Warren Jess was, which was a different house in the community. And we waited for a little while. We eventually got brought up to talk to him. And yeah, he sat me down. And he had, like, he groomed us on the whole, like, in the trainings about how these procedures go, like, you know. He decides every wedding in the end, mm-hmm. but he had a few different routes that he could take. One of them was, he'd just tell you straight. One of them was, he asked you who God revealed you to marry. Like he had a few different routes. So anyway, when I sat down, he, he confirmed that I was, uh, he asked me first, who do you think? And I was afraid. I was really afraid to question him because like, I had been teased a lot about marrying him. So I said, I wondered if I was supposed to go into the family with my sister, which was also married to Warren. And oh, so I your have sister. sister. Yeah. Oh my God. So I wonder, like, so your mother had to give up two of her children. How yeah. old was she when she married him? My, my sister? She mm. was five years older than me. Okay. She married him like uh, two months before me, okay. but she was married to his father first. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot. She's still in there. So I and he turned to me and he said, "You're right. You have a strong testimony of God." And you know, so he had the confirmation on every everything. He could have just said, "No, you're wrong," you know, which he has done to other people, which would have been fine with me. But he said the opposite, so I went into shock, kind of. Yeah. And so, like, I knew that I'd heard from other people that once the wedding happened, so like our whole life we were taught to wait for that day. We couldn't date. We couldn't even look at the boys. We'd separate the girls and boys in like fourth grade. So like you, you, 
you, you had a different process of thinking. You knew it wasn't dating. Mm-hmm. If you date it all, you get kicked out. Yeah. So, but I knew I'd heard from other people that once that happens, you're supposed to like switch it off. You're supposed to like just fall in love with your husband immediately. To expect it of you. But like, I can do it. Like, I just, I, I couldn't do it. I, I did the ceremony. I said yes. Cause I didn't dare. I knew the punishment would be really great if I didn't say yes. But um, I just, yeah, I just, I just said yes. And then um, after the ceremony, he sent my father out of the room and he tried to have me come sit on his lap and I hesitated oh, and he was so angry. He was so angry because it's like his 65th wedding, my first, and, and it's just not going to happen like that. And anyway, so he called my father back into the room and he sent me home with my father. And I was like happy. I didn't even realize that that might be a punishment because I, I when I went home, I'm like, this is my comfort zone. You know, mm-hmm. I was so happy about it. But later on in my story, he kept asking me, he kept telling me in front of his whole family, he'd say, I'm sorry that I sent you home on the first night. And I was like, I don't care, you know, and that's how I respond. I'm like, oh, that's fine. You're like, you know, great. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he turned to me and he said, I'm sorry I sent you home on the first night. Like, he was, I was different, like, you know, yeah. and I was just like, after the third time of doing that right straight in a row, I'm like, okay, that must have been a punishment. Like, you know, <laughs> I didn't know that, but whatever. So anyway, I was catching on to things, but I, I yeah, I just, and then the very first, so the, I saw red flags. So even though I didn't recognize that as a punishment, he told my father to send me to a meeting in the morning. Okay. And that happened to be the meeting that he walked down the aisles and sent away fathers that, that had been sitting on the stand for years. That was January 9th. Oh and my, no, my, that was January 10th. And my, my anniversary was January 9th. So I went straight into that meeting the next morning and he requested I watch that. So if he hadn't have said anything about it and I just happened to know about it like heard about it later yeah. I wouldn't have been mad at him. yeah because yeah, I would yeah, have just yeah. thought that was what he had to do but because he requested I watch that I was furious I, I was like this is not like this is like telling your bride there's no hope for you yeah making sure they know there's no hope for you like these are people that are respected sitting on the stand who've done everything possible in my point of view to make him happy like and so I'm like yeah, there's no hope. And he requested I be here to watch that. So I saw red flags. And then right after that, I walked out and my father was told to send me to another meeting that was secret. So I went to a secret meeting where Warren Jess was. And he told him, he talked about his kids and how he took them away from his property here in Southern Utah. He told us in that meeting that um, God revealed that not one of the biological mothers, the ones that gave birth to those kids, not one of them was worthy to go with their children. But the mothers that didn't have any kids, some of them were worthy. And he took them away from his house to make so they wouldn't get questioned by the law because he told me in that meeting he was running from the law. He wasn't on the most wanted list yet, but he was running from the law. And he said, I don't want him to be like questioned about where I am. So I'm taking them to a secret location. But these mothers, God revealed, are not worthy. I just thought that was so weird. Mm. 
And it was a red flag and I couldn't tell anybody. I just held it in and I thought, well, I need to go check on those kids. Yeah. So that's the main reason why I went in deep. I became like the witness from the inside at that point in time, because I, I, and what I witnessed was the kids, they didn't have hope and stability at all. And it wasn't just me who didn't, you know, like I didn't have hope and stability, but they had less. Mm-hmm. They would never trust anyone probably because Every time they got attached to the person that was put over them, the mother that didn't have any kids that was assigned to them, if they got attached, Warren Jess would rotate them. Oh my gosh. So they would never trust anyone. Like adoption, you have the hope of stability. In this setting, it was all about like subjection, you know, like, you know, whatever he wants. Yeah. And he ends up being a pedophile. You know, we learned that through, through time. Um, so I think that was part of his plan. He didn't want him to trust anyone so that they wouldn't tell any secrets of his. Well, it's classic grooming, right? You know, you you separate children from people who they trust. You tell them they can't trust anyone, that the only person they can trust is him. You know, you see it time and time again. You saw it in the Catholic Church. It's what has happened, unfortunately, to a lot of children who fall victim to these like abusive environments. And it's just telltale grooming. But when it's someone who... You know, you're so much power and authority. And then he's kicking out parents telling them, you know, bizarre stories of like, you're never going to be worthy or else he'd say, you're going to repentance mission and maybe I'll call you back. But before he does this, he has them sign their children over to the church on paperwork that he tells them is legal, but isn't legal. So he has all this power and he's, he's, I, in my opinion, he's taking the people that are struggling. Mm -hmm. He's keeping the ones that are also struggling and he's sending away the ones that are really against pedophilia and, you know, trauma. Yeah, yeah just yeah. isolating people. So, you know, you obviously are seeing this happen with the children. So this is when he moved everyone to, was it, where did he move everyone to? Was it Texas? He first started with Texas. Yeah. But he did have a place in Colorado. He had a place in Colorado first, then he had Texas. But when I went first, it was Texas. Yeah. And that was the center state. That was the biggest place. And then they had one in South Dakota. And now they have, so when they took over Texas, when the Texas authorities took it, then they moved over to South Dakota as their main place. But now currently Colorado and South Dakota have been taken over by ex-FLBS people, people that have left the church. When they took over South Dakota, they found like 70 other compounds of FLBS. (gasps) They're scattered. They're all over. Wow. And I think... I think it's so sad. Like, I think, um, I think that Warren Jeffs is trying to establish pedophilia on the earth. Like, because it's not regular pedophilia. It's like appointed marriage pedophilia. Yeah. It's like, you know, you marry this young bride and I want you to have sex. You know, it's not a choice at that point. And if they don't do it, then they have all these repercussions of losing all of their kids and all of their wives. So what would, you know, you talk about these punishments, like what would that be? So is it, is he, is this a kind of situation where he basically asked for someone to give up their child for marriage, like a young yeah. child, and then if they refuse, they just- They what? lose all of their kids. What? And the, and the mothers get married to some other guy in the oh, church so that they will do it. Break up the whole family. Yeah. Oh, he has Whoa. all the say over everyone. The paperwork that he has the parents sign is not legal, but they think it is. Of course. So they don't go out on the outside and pursue their kids because they don't know that they can't. They've been oh. told it's all legal and they have to stay the course. 
And they've also been told that like the outside world is the enemy, that like they're not going to have their best interest at heart, that 12% protective services aren't going to help them. So, you know, what what can you do? It's this. There's no decision, really. It it seems like a choice, but it's not a choice. No one has a choice. They tell <laughs> them it's a choice. Like like my parents, for instance, they say they pull them aside at the after church and said, "You guys are going to get married. You have a choice to say yes or no at the ceremony." But they had never met each other. Yeah. Like how? So that it's a matter of trust, and there's a punishment if you say no. But they're they don't know each other, so that why would they not? Why would they accept the punishment when they've never met each other? Of course. So when you, why were married uh, to Warren Jeffs and you are in Texas or you're in some of these kind of compounds basically, and you're noticing all this stuff going on with the children, like, did you, did you also get red flags around like him having very young wives? Like, cause these were later on, later, later on, I guess yeah. when, as you grew up, right. Cause you were only 18. As he trusted me enough to tell me about it. And okay. So he, then actually- I, I didn't tell anybody how I felt in there. Mm-hmm. it's cute mm-hmm. sweet no matter what sweetness mm-hmm. is the only emotion allowed um so everybody acts like sweet mm-hmm. but they have emotions they just can't they have to hide and bury them of course and, and if you see red flags you, there's no one you can talk to yeah. what are you going to do you know it's because it's just going to be punishment if you do anything so i want to talk about your escape from yeah. the church because you've got a pretty amazing story and your redemption arc of what you got after it all i mean i'm obsessed with it it's like the best (laughs) redemption arc ever (laughs) so tell me about how you know the lead up to you escaping had he been arrested at this point he had been arrested when i was like one one and a half two years into marriage okay and i had already successfully resisted like i had worked my way into a safer position I couldn't escape but he wasn't around so I had already done that for a while but like he he um he got caught like pretty early on in in my marriage Mm -hmm. and then it was five years I think at least of working to get out after being that deep in there and everybody wanting to follow Warren Jeffs that was around me wanted his interpretations. Um, I had to really fight for my life because he hated me so much for resisting him for all the whole time um, that he, and I didn't want kids with him. That's why I resisted him. I was just like, no, but he was really angry about that. So he sent like the most, the top people that would obey him the most that he trusted the most, that would be the harshest on me if he told them to be, to surround me. So the fight for life was real for me. And then um, eventually at the end of my five years, um, I was lot. I, I did make my way back to the older compound as the first one in Warren Jess family mm-hmm. to make it back to Short Creek after he had taken his family away from there. And I was eventually locked in a, trailer house it was actually a trailer house where um it was a a room in there where the doorknob was turned around i was in solitary confinement i had two screws in the window it was the kind of window that lifts up they just put two screws so i couldn't lift it up um i had tried to escape earlier that day and was brought back because flds people had seen me on the roads and it called called the people taking care of me um so 
that day was pretty intense trying to escape. Like I just, I didn't really have any hope. They had stripped me of all the hope that I possibly could have. And I just was angry. I didn't want to give up. Like I was like, I'm just not going to give up. So what I did is I um, found some scissors. I unscrewed one side of the window like the screw. Mm-hmm. And then I, the other one was sticking out halfway and it was really tight. I couldn't get it unscrewed with the scissors. So I pounded on it and broke it off. And that day his, there was a lot of circuit, like a lot of things that I didn't have any control over that God, you know, the real God, I believe um, helped me through, mm-hmm. which was part of like, like the, his, uh, my caretaker's wife was home. And she called him and told him I was pounding on the screw. He was in a meeting. I didn't know that at the time. He happened to be in a meeting. Otherwise, he would have just raced home and put screws all up the window. So he, he thought he had time. Um, she didn't realize that I had a screw undone. So when I got the screw that I was pounding on off, that was the last screw I had. And I knew if I opened any drawers to get my ID or anything, I didn't really realize I needed my ID because I had been so isolated my whole life Mm. but I if I would have grabbed anything my favorite thing or whatever she would have heard that Mm -hmm. because really thin walls and trailer houses and she would have known I was leaving because I was told to lay down and read so if I just climb out the window she might think I laid down to read yeah and then she actually didn't notice I left for two hours after I had gone so you just straight off this time you just jumped out yeah. the window and ran. Yeah, I just jumped out the window and ran. But that was my thought, as if it, that would be the only chance I had. Yeah, fight or flight. And so I, I, yeah, I went out the window. I never got my stuff back. I got a few pictures that somebody secretly sent me, but like I don't have anything from before, except for my own skills. Like I, I learned poetry in there. I learned, you know, things that I can remember. But, um, when I ran away, I took back roads so I wouldn't get caught on the streets. I ran to a family that had recently left. And right before I got there, I ran through a yard of a lady who was dressed XFLDS. And I didn't know her, but she said, can I help you? She was meditating in her yard, in her backyard. <laughs> and I, I ran there. And I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to get up to that house. So she drove me up there. I was dressed all FLDS. So um, she would have she, noticed yeah. like what you're doing. She's like, you need help, babe. <laughs> yeah. When I got up to the other house, she said, can I go in with you or should I stay? You know, should I leave? And I said, you might as well come in. She knew who to call. Yes. The family that I ran to had two recently left. They didn't know anybody who to call. They didn't have any phone numbers. So they wanted, they were trying to convince me to just stay all day. Like, just stay here. We'll take care of you forever. But like, um, I knew that wouldn't work in my case. I'd been brought back so many times. And a lot of it had to do with the cult doctors having their families held over their heads and being required to drug me. But they didn't treat me like regular doctors. They would give me drugs and take them away and give them, take them away because that was how Warren Jeffs wanted it. So they were um, drugging you while you were in that solitary in the, confinement. To kind well, the whole time, like since I was 23 years old, they were drugging me at night because he so knew, like, he basically knew that you were the one who was gonna run away and you were the one who resisted him the most so yeah he made it like a point to try and sedate you literally Crazy. yeah but there was also a point in time where it became like 
if you ever hear about Britney Spears and like how the conservative shit works. Yeah. I'm not in California, but like I'm in a place where that like if they go to court and everybody who knows me, all the doctors who've they don't know they're FLBS doctors. Yeah. All the doctors, all the family members, everybody's saying I'm crazy. They're going to take away my American rights, my adult rights. It doesn't matter if you're an adult at that point. They have all these records. They can prove that I'm crazy. And nobody on the outside knows I even exist. So like, I'm going to be like controlled for the rest of my life at that point. It was just like a technicality that I escaped that day, you know, like a miracle, but like it was still something they didn't count on. Yeah. And because I escaped before that court hearing, before the date, and before like they forced to take away my rights. Yeah. I've been able to experience freedom in my life. Like I've been able to have choices and I don't have to, you know, all this stuff. Like I, I hid for two years. I did get escape that day. I went to Tennessee, which is quite far away from Utah. And I stayed there for two years until I changed all my ID in America to like legally I changed it. It's like witness protection. Yes. Um, I changed my social security number, which was almost impossible. And then after that, um, I did come back to Utah because I couldn't pay my rent. Like there was some reasons why, but the main thing is, is I came back to Utah and I thought about it quite hard. Cause like, that was a big decision. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand all the reasons why all the circumstances around me were pointing that way. But when I did come back to Utah, it was like within the first year, I figured out that I could go and apply for Warren Jeff's house. <laughs> and so after I did that, like I did go and apply for his mansion. It's like 28,000 square feet. It's a huge mansion. He's in prison for life. So like I yeah. have a chance uh, as one of his wi- uh, ex-wives, like one of his w- former wives, um, I, I, had a, I had rights to it. And you got it. And I got it. Yeah. It's I, I had a learning curve after that, but yeah. It's such an <laughs> iconic story. Like you took back his huge mansion and property for yourself. Like you used that marriage against him. I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. It's so, it's so good. And what you're doing there now is amazing. So you're using it for a center for women who are, is it mostly running away from like FLDS or is it just kind of a, a, like any, a, like a respite home for people who need. We prioritize people from the polygamy backgrounds. Yes. Uh, any of the groups, but um, we don't discriminate against but we, we only have a certain amount of beds. Yeah, so our priority is people from the polygamy background, but we also have taken in other people because we don't discriminate. It's just if we have the space. It's yeah. such, such an amazing story. Um, and, you know, we're, we're running, running out of time now, but like, I honestly just think when I, I watched your, and I'll link it for everyone as well. I watched your Ted talk and I watched some of the interviews that you did. And when I heard that you got that mansion, I was like fist pumping in the air. I was like, yes, this is the uh, best. Ted talk, there's actually a standing ovation. Uh, yeah. It uh, yeah. Amazing. Cause yeah. it's, it is such an amazing story, but it just shows, you know, like all of the things you're saying in it, you know, like trusting your gut and also being so resilient and stat like that is not an easy thing to do to stand up to something like that and then follow it through and 
Trudy, I, I changed your life, the trajectory of your life. You met your husband and you've a completely different life now. So Brielle, yeah. I mean, you're, you're some woman, I have to say, I admire you so much. <laughs> it's such an amazing story. And with all the trauma I have, like after we got the recovery center going in the big house, we actually got our own house here in the same area. Brilliant. And um, yeah, that was a miracle too, because like most people in, with a lot of trauma, they just, they have to get discounted housing somewhere else. But we, you know, we've just been really blessed to have our own house to fix up, but like we're enjoying the process. I love how the transformation is in my life. I want it so bad for so many other people, mm-hmm. like in different ways, like, you know, they all want different dreams. They all have different things, but like they deserve it. You know, and I try to tell them, you know, like, you can have this, <laughs> you know, because like I work with people all the time. I work at the dream center yeah. now. So I am an RA, which is basically um, the main person that takes care of the, the residents, mm-hmm. keeps track of their, like they're driving to work. I interact with them probably the most in that position that I'm in, but like it's, I've had my relatives go through there. I've had, you know, it's just, and then I also have a documentary coming out. So amazing. This, yes. um, it's just solely about my story with people backing it up and talking about my story. Um, it will be this fall coming out this fall. And I, I look forward to that so much. Like, and we we'll also have a book that we're working on that I amazing. think we're gonna, we're working toward having it completed out there. It, I only have three chapters left that need editing, but like um, it's 40 chapters long and, Anyway, we're trying to get them to both hit at the same time. Yeah. Um, that's Amazing. our goal. My goal in life is to, like, I want to do public speaking for a living. Like I want to, I don't want to just tell my story. I want to, I want to use pieces of my story for a cause. Yeah. So that's my, my head, my direction I'm headed in is I just want to travel the world and <laughs> help people and tell and you help people. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and I, I don't see you going anywhere but that. I mean, you have gone through, you've, you've achieved everything else. You've achieved some of the most impossible things ever, <laughs> like leaving a cult, starting a new life, getting back the house, like amazing. So I think becoming a public speaker will be easy in comparison to the rest of the stuff that you have accomplished in your life so guys i'm going to leave all of Brielle's links below you can find out more about the shore creek dream center um and i'll link your ted talk and everything else below so people can find out on your instagram and everything else so that people can follow along with your story and hopefully we can all see your documentary and read your book when it comes out uh brielle thank you so much for joining me today it was a pleasure thank you 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.